We're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. We have an Oscar race checkpoint, and it's 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 a loaded checkpoint because December as a whole is turning out to be just as loaded and chock full of hits and news and stories as we kind of teased it would be all year long. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also Mike. Yeah, two sets of nominations today from the Satellites and the Sunset Circle Awards that are two of our favorites mm-hmm. to discuss because they're some of the first every year. And then the first award show, we got the Gotham Awards to react to. Uh, but before all that, you're, you you just said it in the pre-show, the big movies are staying big. Yeah. And that is cool, and that is exciting, and we got some first reactions. Yeah, staying huge, like interrupting the Oscars picture as we know it. And that's where we're going to start here, as we have a new frontrunner to talk about. Uh, and we may have a new frontrunner in front of the new frontrunner with our second story. But let's start talking about the first reactions from... West Side Story, uh, that had its debut, the critics saw it, the industry saw it already, obviously it will be available to the public around Christmas time, uh, here's some first reactions, first and foremost, let's talk about the creator of West Side Story, the guy that put brought the the show, uh, it, it was the lyricist for the original, uh, he praised the adaptation, obviously Stephen Sondheim, starting off on a little bit of a, a sad note, he was 91 years old, did pass away, we did lose him this past week, but the upshot of that is he was able to see a preview screening for himself of Steven Spielberg's adaptation of his work here in West Side Story. And when Sondheim start, a couple of quotes from him, uh, quote, it's really terrific. Everybody go. You'll really have a good time. And for those of you who know the show, there's going to be some real surprises. Uh, obviously, you know, titan in the industry of Broadway and film and music in general, an underrated director and writer in his own right as well uh, for the for the screen, uh, since movies are what we focus on here, but uh, you, there's no replacing Stephen Sondheim, uh, a guy that's just going to leave an indelible mark in the entertainment sphere. Absolutely not, no replacing him, but it's nice to see him uh, speak so well, spoke mm. so highly of this film, and it, I'm glad he had the chance to see it before uh, he passed on, and I'm I'm glad he you know saw the tribute from Tick Tick Boom yeah. and Lin Manuel Miranda, and he was involved with that production. I heard an interview with uh, Lin Manuel where he was where he said Sondheim even rewrote one of the lines. He's like, I don't think I would say this in terms of this phone message <laughs> to your Andrew Garfield character during that movie. So let me rewrite that line. May I? <laughs> he was very nice and pleasant. So that, I, I just really enjoy stories like that. I think the Academy will enjoy stories like that. And then hopefully it touches the family as well. All these tributes that are certainly worthwhile. And West Side Story is, you know, a major piece of his legacy. Sure. So to have Steven Spielberg deliver in this way is exciting and there's no better Spielberg uh, expert for my money than Chris Evangelista who has the pod 21st Century Spielberg season two coming soon by the way shout out to him Mm. and he is the first uh, review I wrote down here because he says Steven Spielberg has been talking about making a musical for almost his entire career and this was worth the wait this is top tier Spielberg so 
coming from him, that means a lot. You're absolutely right, uh, and I'm looking forward to more of that from Evangelista, and certainly this movie seems to give him a whole new chapter to for that podcast. Uh, <laughs> while there were a majority of raves and a majority of... I don't even know what the adjective like gushing. I guess would be the verb. That, like, the, was this... it Dune level? Do you think, or was it just below Dune level? Because Dune was like, let's we cured cancer. You're right. You're right. Well, this movie. I I felt like this was even maybe more so, but it's maybe because of my own expectations. Like I mm-hmm. I expected this to be good. I didn't expect it to be like move over every category at the Oscars. We have a new leader, but there were some tempered uh, measures being taken. Robert Daniels at 812 or 812 film reviews uh he tweeted a shocker i didn't dislike spielberg's west side story it's not a patch (laughs) on the original what is people's skin are rendered way too pale and the vfx is jarring but ariana dubos and her evocative eyes were incredible so were rita marino and david alvarez as for ansel eh, is what he said nikki novak at N-I-K-K-I, Novak, she said West Side Story is extraordinary. Ten more Oscars, please. (laughs) Spielberg's cam work is unreal. Directors, please watch. The cast, mega-talented, megawatt energy balls. At Rachel Ziegler is magic. At at Ariana DeBose may be the second Anita to win. Uh hashtags i don't have to read all this stuff i probably shouldn't have said the ats either but she uh (laughs) she's a big fan and uh, a lot of pundits have been weighing in and changing predictions like our buddy scott feinberg who released a whole new forecast because of west side stories entrance into this rate scott has more potential nominations signaled than this big four. I don't want to spoil everything. Go to the Hollywood Reporter. You know, make sure your notifications are on via mm. email so you get every forecast like I do. That's always a happy morning, by the way. But here's here's a big four. Rita Moreno jumps to the top of his supporting actress category. Rachel Ziegler over Kristen Stewart. That's crazy. That's insane. Ooh, after the... Love affair we all yeah. had with uh, Princess Die being portrayed by Kristen Stewart. This I, past I wonder. Few months. I mean, and Scott's like we talk about every year. His rankings are a reflection of what he's hearing from people who are in the the business and in the academy themselves. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're never going to have a hotter moment than when the movie is first released. But that's even still that's jarring to see that kind of movement this early on in the year still. That's a big overtake. Yeah. That's a that's a big move from the out. Well, I wouldn't say the outside lane. I would say the inside lane. Uh, she was in the middle lane, yeah. out in front. Nobody cares about these analogies. <laughs> but Spielberg went to the top of his best director category. Another huge move and a and a big surprise. I would say to everybody. I think a lot of people had him kind of registered as a likely nomination yeah. if the movie delivered. But to jump ahead of Jane Campion and Kenneth Branagh in the category, wow, that's big news. Finally, biggest of all, West Side Story now sits atop of the best picture category for Mr. Feinberg. Yeah, and again, I'm, I'm shocked to see all this. I didn't think the majority reception would be, you know, holy Christ, this is going to shake up the Oscars picture in, in whole cloth. And, you know, like you said, and like we alluded to, it's, it's cool to see the big movie staying big. Now, you and I had our doubts, obviously, and I I don't know, I still kind of do. I mean, (laughs) despite what everyone's saying, (laughs) I I think that's one of the worst cut trailers considering the context of what's been going on uh, with the people involved with the film. But nonetheless, this this seems to be a serious player for the Oscars, obviously. Yeah, we kind of joked around a little bit that this would... Uh, become the best picture front runner. Just to, even, but like, but what was before the last movie we saw? What was that? 
What the hell did we just see? Good question. What did I see last Good night? Question. <laughs> they had that guy with the thing and the girl. With the, with uh, well, the you face. just did Power of the Dog. Unless you want to talk about House of Gucci or King Richard. House of there Gucci. <laughs> she, the girl with the face, was in that, and uh, <laughs> we saw that together. And I'm sitting here. I was like, "This is not going to win Best Picture. West Side Story is going to win Best Picture." And we both had a hearty laugh. You laughed, and I laughed, and now we're saying it on the podcast. Yeah. So, look, I think we can get a little cynical sometimes because we follow this a little too closely. We're, we are obsessed, and that, that is a shortcoming of ours. We try to you know, we try to keep ourselves pure as human beings and not let us go to the dark side, but we do sometimes, Mike. We do. We've had some Best Picture winners that we've been disappointed in, so now we have all these new stakes for West Side Story. Here's, here's a caveat that did encourage me, though, right? I listened to Little Gold Men for uh, Vanity Fair's podcast. Mm-hmm. Love that show, by the way. And they said that Spielberg kind of walks a tightrope where he he does this critique of angry white dudes. I don't know if it's the Sharks or the Jets that are the angry white dudes. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. But this could you know hit the right nerve and strike the right chord with society. Because let's face it, angry white dudes... Messing things up for everyone of late, <laughs> making it making it a problem, making the world a problem for other white dudes for sure. Yeah. But for yeah. all of us, that's yeah. the that's the big thing. So, I mean, if you could speak to the times with this 1960s former Best Picture winner and and update it in that way, and then just have all these production values and have just a sweeping epic musical, that's that's a huge accomplishment. That seems to be what everybody's hailing as such a triumph. No doubt. Uh, and it's different enough from the original, I guess, in that I, I think, I guess we should start expecting that. It's, you know, there's there's the contemporary lens you can put on it. There's also the, the Rita Moreno character was wholly created for this uh, adaptation. It, she was not. It's not a character that's in, I guess, the original West Side Story. So it is different enough where it's not just a, you know, a, a remake, which I guess if it's Steven Spielberg, you shouldn't expect it to be a remake anyway in that vein. It's, he's always going to put his own, uh, you know, slant on it. It's worth mentioning for Oscars history, Steven Spielberg, who sits now, like you just said, at the head of the Feinberg forecast for the Best Director category. He hasn't won Best Director since Saving Private Ryan in 1999. He hasn't won Best Picture since Schindler's List won in 1994. Uh, mm. And the big capper of all this is Rita Moreno. She has the potential to celebrate the, I, I, I have 50th anniversary, I think it would actually be the 60th anniversary of her first Oscar win for her role in West Side Story with her yeah. second Oscar win for her role in West Side Story. This is a possibility that we're all dealing with now. That is something else. And I was going to make a snarky joke and I'm going to shelve it. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I would I would just like her to win because I, I really like her. I saw that documentary. I know she said some things that she's apologized for in the last year. It was, uh, you know, it, it matters, but I don't know. I think her career speaks for itself. She's been a pioneer, and uh, I, I think she's uh, a, a tremendous actress, and she's hilarious yeah. as a human being. So that she's, gonna, she's tailor-made for these uh, campaigns, and I, I'm excited to – see this movie now which was not something i could say before michael give, give me some more reasons to be excited yeah same same here honestly and it's this the 
storylines for should Rita Moreno win uh, her Oscar, or at least even be nominated in the supporting actress category, kind of write themselves. And I, the more I read about them and the more I research I do, I start to think that it's it's kind of going to be a lock that she's at least in the category for a nomination. But here's a few records that she's chasing, most of these from Clayton Davis's Variety article. Uh, she's still the lone Latina performer to ever win an acting Oscar, which is uh, absurd. Absolutely ridiculous. She could be the oldest nominee ever in any Oscars category, as she will be 90 on the date that Oscar noms are announced. She could break Catherine Hepburn's record of longest amount of time between first and last nominations of 48 years, as Marino's noms, like I said, will come 60 years apart. She would also break Henry Fonda's record of most years in between acting nominations, should she find herself nominated this year. I believe that... that span was 41 years for henry fonda and also the big one helen hayes currently holds the record for longest time between oscar wins for actors Mm. as she won lead actress in 1932 for the sin of madeline claudette and then had to wait yes yes, we all remember that one she had to wait until (laughs) 1971 to get her second win where she also won supporting actress for her role in airport As amazing as that time frame is rita marino could outpace that gap by 150 percent if she wins this year (laughs) <laughs> so all kinds of records that Rita Marino is staring down the barrel of, of this Oscars gun with. And again, I think that the story kind of writes itself. She's got a huge narrative tied in. It's kind of a homecoming for her. She's already a history maker and a trailblazer, like you said. Now she's coming back to a different role within the same property, this reboot that's a Spielberg adaptation. And it's kind of all there. And my heart aches for Anjanou Ellis out of all this. Very true, but I, I do think she's a formidable contender no matter what, Anjanou Ellis, like like you yeah. said uh, in our review there. So we'll, we'll see. I think the supporting categories are still open. Uh, we'll have to analyze this as it goes. But with a 77-year-old president, Michael, 77, he's not 78 yet, is he? <laughs> he might be 78. we we got to continue to root for older Oscar noms. That's all I'm saying. Like Anthony Hopkins set records last mm-hmm. year. Rita Moreno's turn this year. We'll keep track, and uh, we'll give you that full film study, and we'll we'll give you this analysis as we go. But, yeah, 93% on an early 13 reviews, Rotten Tomatoes for West Side Story. Uh, we'll, that's the first of two sets of first reactions we have for you today. The other's for Nightmare Alley, and these just dropped last night, so we're kind of new to them. Mm. 69% nice. nice. On Rotten Tomatoes. To, uh, another 13 reviews, by the way, uh, for Nightmare Alley. But I would say... Different in terms of the fact that these have been somewhat tempered. I've seen pundits high in certain areas and lower in other areas, but we do have some rave reviews as well in here. Uh, I think it's also fair to say that after Guillermo Toro's last movie, Mike, Mm. which won Best Picture and how many other Oscars there, the expectations were very high for Nightmare Alley. Of course. So some temperament. You know, you need to take a step back, you know, because you go in with the higher stakes. I mean, I get it. Bradley Cooper's going to have sex with that man beast in this movie. Yeah, he's not. He's really uh, not. No, no, no. Think, he's, uh, he's revving up. Everyone's hiding it from me, but I know what they're doing. They're all in on it. This is all one think, big conspiracy. Uh, I think you've tried to spoil the movie, even though you can't. <laughs> and I've tried to just, I've spoiled the movie by just talking you down for the last month. <laughs> According to Clayton um, Davis, who tweeted about the movie, uh, there are two movies within Nightmare Alley. He says one makes Bradley Cooper a long overdue Oscar winner. The other puts another statue on the shelf of visionary director Guillermo del Toro. Could be one, none, or neither for the Academy. At minimum, production design race ended tonight. Big words there from Clayton. 
Ryan McQuaid awards Watch in Session Film. He says Nightmare Alley has all the technical elements that make Del Toro one of the best modern directors, but a clunky second act and lackluster performance by Bradley Cooper drag this down overall. Defoe, Strathairn, Blanchett, and Colette are used well. Jenkins and Mara are wasted, oh. Ryan says. So, I mean, they're right, you know, the dichotomy of the take on the performances in the movie in and of itself, but there were other uh, critics who were just overly high on it. Jazz Tank, our buddy here. Uh, Nightmare Alley is all around brilliance. Guillermo del Toro has made an unbelievably beautiful and incredible film. The production design is breathtaking. The performances are a spectacle with Bradley Cooper delivering one of the best of the year. Uh, we can top it off with another friend of ours, Eric Weber. Immaculately constructed, Searchlight has a five-star across-the-board Oscars contender in Nightmare Alley uh, at Real GDT. Guillermo del Toro's handle there has done it again with Bradley Cooper's career best performance. Wow. Wow. Stellar cinematography and flawless editing. Last awards film in, and it's a massive, massive winner. This is kind of what we started the episode talking about. We had this whole lead-up you know, through the spring and the summer and this COVID craziness of just wait, there's going to be big movies after big movies. The Oscar race is going to be huge. It's going to be a big thing. Every week you're going to end up at a theater. For the most part, we haven't really had many disappointments unless you're me watching Belfast. You had one disappointment. <laughs> you had one disappointment. But even you still gave it a B minus. Yes, I did. It's, it's a fine enough movie. Yeah. Not a, anyway, not a, not a I, best picture. You're just going to, yeah, yeah. I, it's a hill I'm in. I'm not going to die on. I'm you're entrenched on the in record. It. Yeah. Yes, I'm you are. Sodded on the I'm sodded into the side of that hill. Now. Nightmare I'm, I'm Alley. Nightmare Alley. Uh, even though you have completely warped your own expectations <laughs> on it and you will be disappointed <laughs> no matter what, I don't know how you somehow wrangled yourself into that corner. But it, it's there. You're in it. Like I can't get you out of it. I, I like I tried. Like I need a <laughs> forklift. But you're like the the band, marching band in Animal House. You've just you're marching into the corner. <laughs> Good analogy. Alley right now. That is your nightmare alley. You're uh-huh. in a nightmare alley with nightmare alley, and I can't help you. But I am very glad that we don't have a consensus about every movie. So that's that's kind of fun. And let let me be honest. 1947 film. I caught that in the fall. Dark, brutal story for this movie. That's not a, you know, it's not a spoiler because you've all seen the trailer. Mm -hmm. If there was a premiere night parade on Twitter, I would kind of be worried and I would I would rethink all of my assumptions about the punditry, about the critics brigade (laughs) that goes to these premieres. So you're happy that there's a there's a uh, split decision here on Nightmare Alley versus. Yeah, I'm happy there's some measured and tempered takes and I'm happy that there's some gushing takes. And I mean, that that makes me excited to see it. So. We have that to experience. Then we have the whole evolution of it all, where ultimately, for our podcast, it matters what the industry thinks, what the Academy thinks, and we get to have fun with that speculation. So these are the first two sets of big reactions. We also could do some Oscar race checkpointing in this regard, Mike. We got some award show to talk about. The Gothams Mm. kicked off the season. They had a broadcast on Facebook Live. It is now on YouTube. I certainly recommend it for some people. You can also watch a bunch of clips if you don't have time to watch the whole fun of the Gothams. But and they did. They had a lot of fun with it, and I really appreciate. They drop a lot of f bombs during the broadcast. They uh, 
they have and that's a lot what of, we all come for, you know? <laughs> yeah, they have a lot of impromptu speeches. It's very New York. It's very, you know, banquet style. I, I, just, I It looks like a lot of fun, as they do every year, and I'm glad for it because last year their broadcast was very messy and we've heckled it, mm-hmm. which I hated to do because the Gothams were always a, a highlight right. on the schedule the other, the other four years we've been doing this. So four out of five, yay Gothams. Big winner, though, the Lost Daughter, yeah. Michael. We have... The Lost Daughter from Netflix, Maggie Gyllenhaal, taking home wins for Best Feature, Director, Screenplay, and they tied for Best Lead Performance, Olivia Coleman and Frankie Faison, by the way. Really cool, great speech he gave from The Killing of Kenneth Chamberlain, a movie that is on VOD right now. They gave long clips for the presentation of all the Best Features. I love to hear the trio of female filmmakers just be so gracious and thank everybody on the night. So this is exciting. It's exciting for Netflix. Uh, it's exciting for indie film, you know, uh, and female filmmakers rising to the top of indie film right now or this, you know, this early part of mm-hmm. award season. All of it's hopeful, I would say. Yeah, Good and movie too. in that same Variety article I cited when uh, talking about Rita Marino's uh, historic nomination that could be to come, he makes mention that the only two late December debuts that have won Best Picture in this century have been Million Dollar Baby and Shape of Water. And now you have not only West Side Story, but you have uh, The Lost Daughter, which is going to premiere. You have Licorice Pizza, Encanto, uh, Nightmare Alley. Again, it's just a huge, maybe the biggest December ever in terms of the potential screen or living up to what they could be now all that said as we say every year with the gothams they mean everything and nothing because they're very important in their own right obviously but in terms of what they actually mean to the oscars race who knows at this point i mean sometimes they could be they could mean nothing and sometimes they could be an actual tipping off point it's going to be interesting to watch what happens with the lost daughter uh as the year goes on and as the public gets their hands on that film andrew and i had a really fun conversation about the Gothams and how the lost daughter was going to kind of square off for passing for this, you know, boost, Mm -hmm. which is what I think they are. And I think the next wave of nominees that we're going to discuss with a guest of the Bifas and the NBR, et cetera, coming out today uh, after we record. But I think, Mm -hmm. uh, I think they all could form a boost and they could basically put these films on the the watch lists and on the radar of the industry of the academy if they weren't already sure. there or just give you the friendly reminder as an academy member of say hey you you better see the lost daughter before you account for adapted screenplay and andrew had a, a you know had, he had a fun proposition going into the night that passing in the lost daughter really would be fighting for those eyes and fighting for that attention and it, and it's cool to see that uh his theory played out where you have a big boost right now for the lost daughter. Now the question becomes how crowded do these fields get? We have some solid knobs going in already that we know are going to get, you know, attention. Mm-hmm. How many more heavy hitters have coattails like nightmare alley may not have coattails and story right on the story side of things, but maybe it does. Maybe it has, you know, coattails in terms of the technical aspects. We don't know. West side story just may have across the board, coattails mm-hmm. and, and now that j- crashes the adapted screenplay category to where you don't have room for the indie film for the newer screenwriter that we've seen and celebrated so often from ryan johnson to taika watiti to you know mcdonough before mcdonough broke out with three billboards I mean, we've seen this as a typical piece of the oscars puzzle where you get mm-hmm. that new 
that new talent and and celebrate that new talent in this category or in these one of those two categories adapted or original screenplay i don't know i don't know what how much room we're going to have what's if, if these all these contenders deliver that's where i'm at it's a good problem to have and it's fun especially on the uh you know, not barren landscape of last year, but just the difficult times that not only the awards industry, but all of us have had in the last couple yeah. of years. No, it's fun. So it's nice to nice to have this to focus on and, and have this be an issue where everything is so good. You know? Speaking of fun, though, best supporting performance going to Troy Kotzer of CODA. That speech he gave, I, I mean, he signs, <laughs> he gets up there and he signs and he's like, he looks all flustered and he goes, I'm absolutely handless right now. <laughs> Instead of speechless. So that's an immediate dad joke. Yeah, that was for us, I think. Um, I think he knew his audience in, there. <laughs> yeah, I'm in with this man's award season. Uh, more of him, please. He's just as good as anybody in that category, in, in my opinion. And I'm, I'm glad. I'm hoping he's in the five. We'll, we'll talk about his, his absence later on in the show, unfortunately. So I, I hope... This puts his performance up for more critics, and then critics... I mean, we've seen it last year with Paul Racy. He was the critical darling, and True. it did factor in. It doesn't always mm-hmm. happen. We've seen the Ethan Hawks fall away after winning every critical award there is. Yeah, no We've also seen them being you know, accepted. I mean, it's just going to present themselves to the Academy... And the Academy will veto or deny or not. I don't know. It's 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 going to be. You fun have so much more. You have so much more passion for this performance getting in the Oscars conversation now after that dad joke than you did after watching and reviewing. Cole well, on the show. what sets apart? What sets apart an Oscars <laughs> campaign? If you make me laugh, if you're absolutely hilarious on the on this first stage at the Gotham's, that's why I love the Gotham so much. Because then I'm like. I mean, maybe I think like an Academy voter. Maybe I do. Maybe I'm really, we're doing this podcast for the right reasons because this is this is the lane we should be in. Cause we, yeah, I mean, like uh, Peter Dinklage gives a, a, a speech. I'm, I'm all in uh, on Peter Dinklage. So that's, that's the Gotham's for you. We need to be in a voting body because it would be so much cheaper to bribe us than it is all these other Make us laugh. Bodies. You could bribe us <laughs> <Yeah>. with comedy. <laughs> right, Simple exactly. as that. You don't have to bribe us with anything else. You'd be charming, and we're easily charmed. So we're just two uh, men who are laugh whores. We're easy laughs, Stadler, way, too. Stadler and Waldorf yeah. in the uh, in the balcony of the theater there, just <laughs> waiting for an excuse to break through. Uh, Coda also won Best Breakthrough Performer with Amelia Jones, Michael. I, I love it. I love seeing her win, and I'm shocked. She's British. She's French. <laughs> no, I knew this, but I, I, I was shocked again. I was like, again, I, I keep forgetting because they showed all the clips all night, and then I'm like, what? <laughs> Best documentary. I don't know if this is an upset because Flea had a lot of uh, a lot of momentum and a lot of big fans, but Summer of Soul has been winning a lot of stuff, but Flea did win over Ascension Fayadai, President and Summer of Soul. I don't know what it means. I don't know what any of it means. I mean, is Flea <laughs> going to win all three? Animated, international, and documentary? Is it gonna is it gonna win one of them? Where what are they what does the Academy do with Flea? I, I don't know. It's it's fascinating to to think about that whole uh, situation because there's a lot of good movies and I, I'll be honest with you I don't think Flea should win all three categories I think I think it's sh- it's a worthy winner in one of the three categories though I the question is where do you give I it credit and Canto might have something to say about Flea's chances in the animated there yeah absolutely so we're gonna have to weigh in on the rest of the card more in the future but it's cool to see best international feature heating up I wonder if this does something to a certain candidate, but drive my car 
won the award at the Gotham's over Azor, the souvenir part two. What do we see when we look at the sky? The worst person in the world and Michael Titan. Bunch of goddamn prudes in that voting. <laughs> so this is an upset, right? Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be that Tatan should have won, but I would have thought Tatan or the worst person in the world or even the souvenir part two would have had a better chance than drive my car. They were all three uh, awarded at Cannes, the first three, but not the souvenir mm-hmm. part two. I'm, I'm a little surprised that souvenir part two is even in there. I'm glad it's getting recognition because it's kind of a fun movie that I can project when I reviewed it to you. I can project my older self enjoying more. <laughs> and you loved what did we see when we look at the sky? Too. Well, I loved I loved hours of it. I think they should have covered a cut off an hour of it though. Yeah. That's it's like two out of the three hours were awesome, and then one hour of it is like. <sighs> I why it's do I slap. have to do that? Why do, it's up for an award, and I have to re-review it and talk <laughs> shit about it. I don't know why I have to do that. I love the worst person in the world. Uh, I, I really kind of want. I, I don't know about you. Do you want to rewatch Titan? I want to rewatch it. No. It's a loaded question. <laughs> Drive My Car is also a very good movie. Three, It's another three-hour film, uh, but it does deliver, I would say. So, glad for it. It's a slap in the face of Titan to have another car movie win the same category, I'd say. Oh, interesting. Uh, you are very simple <laughs> in terms of the jokes you try to make Thank in life. You. Uh, tributes, Michael. Ethan Hawke introed Peter Dinklage, and they broke each other's balls for both speeches. I, I loved it so much. I mean, I mean, Peter Dinklage comes out and a three immediate laughs. I mean, he goes to Ethan Hawke thanking him. He's like, you're just fearless. F you. You're utterly <laughs> unlimited. I'm so grateful for, to be your friend. Uh, he, he goes, film independent. I really love you tribe of weirdos. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to do justice to his jokes, but I mean, I, I love, I mean, he's breaking Ethan Hawke's balls about, he's like, Hey, make sure you see 1991's mystery date. <laughs> he recommended, no, he's <laughs> recommending all these movies through the whole speech. He's like a woman under the influence with nail and I, uh, Gary Sinise and John Malkovich, when they were on the stage in two true West, I wanted to become an actor. And by the way, 1991's mystery date with Ethan Hawke, he worked at it too. So. <laughs> Just really. How about funny. a buddy cop, a buddy cop movie with uh, Peter Dinklage and Ethan Hawke? Who's not watching that? Oh, I put that out tomorrow. Uh, Julianne Moore and Pablo Lorraine they presented Kristen Stewart with the performer tribute. Jane Campion, Kathleen Collins got the icon tribute posthumously. Uh, Eamon Bowles of Magnolia Pictures. We've covered, uh, you know, the, these tributes before. Squid Game, Reservation Dogs, Philly DA, and it was cool to see Ethan Hawke. He got he picked up an award on the night as well on the TV side along with uh, Thuso Mbedu, uh, who took home the uh, the acting uh, the performance awards there. Ethan Hawke can't possibly have any more room on his mantle or his trophy case for any more critic awards, right? He's he's a darling in New York. Maybe <laughs> maybe he just maybe he's really cool to critics. I'm I'm just yeah. No, I mean, he, the, the man, I, I think he's catnip to critics because he's just so damn relatable in these movies, but he's also kind of like the surrogate smart guy mm. in these films. Mm. So, like, critics identify with and him. And we've watched he's, him grow up on screen. Yeah, too, but, yeah. But, but he's always, like, the uh, the really good-looking writer. <laughs> or the, the really insanely beautiful the conflicted Art priest, he, yeah, the the priest. He's always got these nerdy jobs, yeah. and he and he stands in for us in our 
delusional brains. <laughs> uh, I don't know how the Gotham voting goes. I don't know if the, does the jury are the jury the only ones that vote on the individual awards. Do you know? Or did the jury just pick the knobs? no idea. I did not look it All up, right. and I refused to. Good. I'm not sure how the voting goes either, but it's just worth mentioning again, good for the Gothams for combining those uh, performer awards and not separating them by, by gender, not having lead actress or lead actor. But if you're going to do that, maybe go out of your way to ensure you don't have a tie where you end up awarding a man and a woman <laughs> anyway in your lead performance category. That would be my yeah. lone critique there. Lone critique, but overall, a, a, a real fun night, and I'm really glad to see the Gotham's get their swagger back. So that was yeah. awesome. Agreed. Uh, le- you know, speaking of swagger, two years in a row though, the second annual Sunset Circle Film Award noms came out. These are the first critical awards of the season and shout out to our buddy Eric Weber of Awards Ace. He is in charge of these bad boys. Yeah. So. Last year, they chose winners that nearly all became Oscar nominees, Michael. So I'm not just mentioning these because it's from a friend of the show. They were predictive. Yeah. When we were when we interviewed Eric a couple times, we were we were talking about it. And, it, you know, the fact that he's such a prognosticator probably helps this. But, I mean, he had Eric Messerschmidt of Mank. He had Emerald Fennell of Promising Young Woman. Yeah. Yeo Jung Yoon. Paul Racy as a nom. Florian Zeller. As a winner, Darius Martyr of Sound of Metal there, and and Carrie Mulligan is Ahmed who became nom. So I mean they had they had the foresight to pick many of the what wound up becoming upsets or what wound up becoming I think from the beginning of the season surprise runaways in some instances. So look out for these, and they have cool categories too. I mean it's not just your standard. They kind of they present what we keep dying for more major award shows to to kind of do and adapt themselves to be. So uh, worth mentioning, absolutely, I agree. Let's go through the uh, leader of the noms here, Mike. Yeah, Dune took home seven nominations, and Rebecca Ferguson's my big takeaway there. So hoping she stays in people's fives. She was my favorite uh, part of Dune as a a film, I would say, which is saying a lot because I liked a lot of the production values. I've seen her get a little bit of a momentum push too, so that wouldn't surprise me to see her there at the end of the day. Let's go. Spencer also had seven on the night, and I was glad to see cinematography and score on the night. On the night, they released their uh, films during the day, or the <laughs> noms during the day. I don't know. Well, the time award show you know, mode. The time difference. Yeah. Yeah, on the night for us because because <laughs> it gets I dark go. at two fucking p.m. around here. That's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> six noms for Don't Look Up, which is intriguing. Uh, incorporation here. Uh, Leo's there, and uh, Scene Stealer, who I'm not going to spoil, is there as well, so that's very cool. Like that, as far as the uh, five noms group, Belfast does make it in there with five noms of their own. Uh, Kenneth Branagh, Katrina Balfe, Top Films is in there. Cyrano also making an appearance with five noms in the Top Films category. Director Peter Dinklage, screenplay uh, Haley Bennett for supporting the cool. French Dispatch as well rounds out the field of movies that landed five noms at this awards circle. I would agree Jeffrey Wright. He was my big takeaway from the French Dispatch. I loved him in that. I hope he makes the uh, supporting actor filled because that'll make me feel smart. That uh, and Leia Seydoux, but Leia Seydoux for entirely other reasons. Again. <laughs> for 
knobs. Mike has a crush on Leia Seydoux. Uh, the four knob movies being the Ricardos, a couple big categories, even though it's only, quote unquote, only four knob screenplay ensemble, Nicole Kidman, Kidman and top films. King Richard also is there uh, in the top films category with Will Smith, Anjanou Ellis and John Berthal. And The Power of the Dog lands itself four noms, top films as well. Director Cody Smith-McPhee and cinematography, which is pretty much, uh, I think those are the big four where you and Andrew mostly landed on anyway during your conversation and reviewing right, that movie. Right. Yeah, excited to uh, to see some of our predictions coming through. And uh, well, yeah, we're just going to, our predictions are the same way. It's like the, you know, the, uh, the critics are now going to react to those i guess so mm-hmm. anyway nice to see coda get some love here at sunset circle three noms top films marley matlin ensemble wish troy kotzer was there eric though i'm a little upset about that that's my only thing so again shout out to eric scott manzel all our buddies on the other side of the country there in the sunset circle five fire directors scene stealer best horror film best family film four of those cool categories that yeah. I mentioned early that I won't spoil. So go to sunsetcircle.com to see all of these. Uh, love that. Love what the Sunset Circle group does there. We also have another uh, favorite award show of ours, the Satellite Awards. They announced their noms for their 26th annual award show, Michael. Yeah, I want to handle these a little bit differently because they kind of do what we've been hoping for, that yeah. we've been conditioned to want with the Globes, Oscar, you know, Globes early precursor. Yeah, be a precursor for the Oscars. Help, yeah. help set the Oscars stage if you're one of these award shows. And it's a good year for it because we got and we want drama and comedy or musical categories because we got a lot of musical contenders this year. So let's start there with the uh, best picture, comedy or musical, Cyrano, mm-hmm. In the Heights, Licorice Pizza, Respect, The French Dispatch, and Tick, Tick, Boom. A little surprised to see Respect make an appearance in that category. Yeah, that's that's fun, and that keeps Jennifer Hudson's hopes yeah. going. I, I wondered if she was going to be forgotten or not. Uh, best Picture Drama, we have Belfast, Coda, Dune, East of the Mountains. Of course, a critical association <laughs> has got to just give us a movie that we just are introduced to when they nominate it. Who? Tom Skerritt is in East of the Mountains. Like, if you had a thousand guesses at who was the star of East of the Mountains, how many guesses would it have taken you to say Tom Skerritt of Top Gun? I think I would have made, made the name Tom and then have someone come along and punch me in the gut to get the noise of Skerritt out of my mouth. So it's not something I would have done on my own. King Richard Spencer, <laughs> the lost daughter. I'm doing terrible. Skerritt! You know, these. It would have been one of those things. <laughs> and the power of the dog. Also nominations there. Uh, I'm going to have to I, I cancel our to... interview with Tom Skerritt, I think. Yeah, we're going to have to... <laughs> We're going to have to uh, cancel that one uh, because uh, he's a great actor, but yeah, come yeah. on. We come on why not jumping in? The backhanded saltiness from us today is really, it's daylight. I blame daylight savings time. I'm so bitter and angry about how the, the Northeast has been reacting to daylight savings time this year. It's just been, it just feels like it's dark. It's just always dark and cold now. And I'm just bitter and angry that there's a new movie that I didn't even know about. Well, it's worth it's worth mentioning, too. Uh, You know, East of the Mountains is here, but West Side Story isn't something that the satellite voting body apparently got their hands on. So, no, it's not not to be found. So it is, you know, take these for what they're worth. For best actor drama, though, Bennett Bill Cumberdue, Power of the Dog. If you've never gone one of my the hardest I've ever laughed with myself. Because of myself, <laughs> is the hashtags I came up with in in doing the uh, the search function 
you know, the high, I forget the words, the word optimization search uh, for the episode, the review of The Power of the Dog that you and Andrew did. Just go through the hashtags I came up with, please. I was dying you... laughing at myself. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. I'm glad somebody was because <laughs> the rest of us were just like, uh, just no, I, I, I don't even, I didn't even notice them. Which throwing is probably up and worst losing thing to sanity. Say. Yeah, that's that was me. Uh, Clifton Collins Jr. for Jockey, Denzel Washington for Macbeth, Joaquin Phoenix for Come On, Come On, Tom Skerritt there again, East of the Mountains, and Will Smith for King Richard makes up the actor drama field for actor comedy and musical. Andrew Garfield's there, Anthony Ramos is there, and Peter Dinklage uh, from Cyrano rounds out the field. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully these c- categories can converge and we got like a playoff a little bit. I, I just like things like that. I playoffs. know Andrew was the same way. Yeah. Playoffs. And uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, actress is per- perhaps even more fascinating because I do think actors going to shake out in some kind of way that we think it's, you know, we're going to be able to predict that better, I would say. Famous last words, but yeah. actress, I, I would like to see a battle royale again like last year. But there, there's quite the race. Like we have in the drama side of things, we have Chastain, Stewart, Gaga, Kidman, Coleman, Cruz, right? Those Jeez. are names that we've been hearing throughout. Yeah. Chastain, Stewart, Gaga, Kidman, Coleman, Cruz. That makes sense. Now, at, in, in the comedy or musical side of things, we have Alana Haim of Licorice Pizza, Jennifer Hudson of Respect, Melissa Barrera of In the Heights, Renata Reinsev of The Worst Person in the World. Obviously, we've got Rachel Zegler of West Side Story. Is uh, Kate Blanchett of Nightmare Alley going to mm-hmm. crash into here as well, or is she a supporting actress? I don't know. I think this is... I am most fa- I am more fascinated by the the girl side of thing than the than the guys. I'm with you. I'm also fascinated by the fact that being the Ricardos was in consideration, but West Side Story wasn't for this voting body. So I it, it, I love this is just part of the reason I I love doing this. Is like what does anything mean? Picking up the pieces and trying to find narratives and trying to find storylines and trying to find you know what what why one voting body did this and one well, another voting body did that. I'm sure this was a case of West Side Story not getting out screeners for itself. Uh, right. And, no, they did just right. wasn't out there. Right. So, it, but I, it's nonetheless, I just, you know, what would have gotten bumped if West Side Story was there? What's the lowest on the cards in terms of this, the satellite uh, awards body? Just stuff to fascinates my mind. Yeah, International Press Association. So, I mean, somebody would have nominated West Side Story if they had it, had access to it. So, I would say the uh, the satellites are always fun and, and, and an early indicator that, that uh, you know, in some of these categories that we're not mentioning, like animated feature doc, I mean, they get like four out of the five and animated every year. They get like, you know, well, that not the same for doc, but international, they, they tend to Nobody you know, can get four out names. of five in doc every year. Let's be, you know. That's... Yeah, but <laughs> but they do highlight some some movies that uh, do well at the end of the day. So it's, I, I'm I'm I was just screwing around and animated anyway. Uh, I, I think international would be my guess. It's more like two of five. Nobody's good at that early mm-hmm. on because that that's another branch that just goes off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. But it's cool because they nominate you know 90 films that go into 15, and then you get five from there. So. That's one of those cool little tournaments, mini tournaments, movie tournaments, baby. I like them. Uh, (laughs) A few other eyebrow-raising takeaways from me after the satellites. A very good day for Tick, Tick, Boom. Sure. So director, cinematography, and sound, as well as Garfield, DeJesus, picture, and then, uh, you know, comedy and musical there. So six six noms on the day for Tick, Tick, Boom. Coda is hanging tough. Yeah. I I, I wish, like, Coda had a better day at both of these uh, 
you know, I, I, I think uh, picture drama, adapted screenplay, Marley Matlin and song. Again, where's Troy Kotzer after winning the It's Gotham? starting to feel like Coda is going to be the uh, the indie, you know, the uh, leave no trace of this year. You know, a lot of critic awards, something held in high regard. Maybe it falls just short of uh, Oscar relevancy. Well, we're doing the Mike, Mike and Oscars uh, two weeks from now. And that, that's official. Mm. And uh, I'm going to pick Coda for almost everything. Now. Good, just, good. Just in spite of you. No, <laughs> we're not doing that. Cyrano is confusing me. However, here, Michael, because I figured it would do better at the satellites because there's the comedy or musical categories, and yet only three noms, picture, Peter Dinklage, and costumes. I don't know. I, I'm i very excited to see Cyrano, which is a weird feeling for me because period pieces usually don't speak to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and being excited about seeing a musical uh, well, is another thing just that's weird for you? Being excited, period. Uh, being yeah. excited <laughs> is fun, and you should do it more often. I'm amazed I've gone this long without talking shit about West Side Story. Credit to me. Credit to me or for Dune, that. Or just talking shit in general. Like, you're a perky, perky mood uh, today. Talk I, to I'm, me I'm at one thirty when it gets when the sun sets. <laughs> These, uh, yeah, a lo- little earlier lunch hour for the two of us. You are in a bright side of mood. Let- let's keep it going. We got a box office update. We're in Canto one last weekend and pretty good numbers, I would say, overall. Someone yeah, might say at- the best number. Yeah, $69 nice. million overall take, nice. uh, $27 million on the weekend. Ghostbusters Afterlife is up to $115, $24 million weekend. House of Gucci, $14 million, 34 overall. So the adult drama just is getting killed at the box office. I wonder what the budget is. I wonder if the adult drama crowd is just not back at the movies. That's got to be and what it is. I mean, it, it, it seems like the only thing's making money still, and it's reflected in these rankings as well. Family movies, horror films. That's where your profit is right now in these COVID times at the theater. Yeah, it's it's you're not wrong, and that's why Spencer like jumps to VOD as soon as possible, mm-hmm. be, and and does well and does well on all the Apple charts. Tom Bergerman wrote something for IndieWire about how well Spencer was doing. So I mean, Clifford I, I, is out earning House of Gucci. Yeah, that's but, I mean, that's that, well, I don't know if that's a huge surprise. You don't think so? A Ridley Scott movie with Lady Gaga is being beaten by Clifford? Well, Clifford's also it's been got out a, for it's a got while. a jump, yeah. It's got like a, a weak jump on it. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I will say this though. I'm overall heartened by this box office because Eternals is getting up towards four hundred million. Like as these big movies start to really go worldwide. No Time to Die is now up to 755, which is getting very close to Spectre's 880. Yeah. It'll never get to Skyfall, but 755, that's awesome mm-hmm. for No Time to Die. And it's probably making money on VOD right now in the States uh, after the box office you know, was muted a little bit, I'm sure, uh, domestically. But Venom's getting close to 500 million. Not going to be Venom 1, 856, but still, that's solid. Mm-hmm. Belfast, not so good, 4.9. The French Dispatch, a little confusing, 33 million. Wes Anderson's got a draw overseas, but, you know, why did that not do better? Last Night in Soho, 21 million, which I I, I think, like, if you told me Last Night in Soho was going to do 21 million, I would have figured that would have been a really good number because it would have platformed, it would have, you know, done something like an awards contender, but no, it went wide like we covered. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about last night. So Edgar Wright's uh, kind of box office draw 
right now. That that makes me a little sad that it didn't do better. Well, the good news is that uh, the COVID virus is over and there's no new variants on the horizon that just got to this country that'll totally shake up everything once again. So that's God wouldn't interrupt <laughs> the greatest award season of my life. I can't lose. <laughs> Look who I'm blaming now. Yeah. <laughs> Our spite has gone far and wide in this episode. Uh, let's speaking of spite and anger and resentment. Let's uh, no. let's just mention at the outro here before we uh, say goodbye, Mike. The uh, the Gucci family may not be happy with the House of Gucci film. Yeah, I I wondered if we were going to include this story. We've done very no, we've done no research Nothing. on it. Yeah. I, we read the headline and I copy and pasted. It's one worth mentioning. Little thing. The Gucci family may sue. I don't know everybody. <laughs> So they say they the Gucci family reserve the right to take every initiative, in parentheses, necessary to protect their name and image and those of their loved ones. The heirs of former Gucci chairman Aldo Gucci said in a statement published by ANSA, ANSA, the Italian wire service, on its website on Monday. Big articles on all the trades. Gucci family going to sue everybody. I find it hard to believe that uh, everything portrayed in that film wasn't a one-for-one, true-to-life retelling. <laughs> right down to Gucci sex on a table. <laughs> yeah, sounded like an Eminem music video. <laughs> I just reenacted it for you all. You, you mean to tell me Al Pacino's character and Jared Leto's may have been caricatures of real life people? I, no, I'm not. We are that. at. We are. We are. We love that movie, and that, that may be my favorite of movie jerks. of all time. Oh, it's not. Just stop it. <laughs> it Just be, you stop. It, it Maybe my st- favorite movie ever. It's my favorite B minus grade of all time. That's what I'll get. That's all I'll give you. That's all you'll get. <laughs> Uh, there it is, ladies and gentlemen, a chock full of information, nomination, and uh, premiere news. Oscar race checkpoint for you, done in less than an hour. Wow, look at us. Look at us. Dude, Never happens. Efficient stuff here. Uh, well, obviously, as always, what matters most to us is your thoughts. Uh, have you gotten your hands? Were you one of the people who were able to see West Side Story or Nightmare Alley? And if not, uh, if you are, what are your thoughts on them? But if not, are, are you excited to see them? Has any critic or any uh, feedback kind of moved those to the top of your wanting to see or your viewing list? Let us know that, as well as your thoughts about anything else uh, we talked about in this episode and anything else we do here in the MMO Empire as as always, you can leave us those thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available wherever you hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on the Apple Podcast app, if you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, if you appreciate what we do here, uh, that would make our entire day. We cannot thank you enough for those of you who have done so. Michael. More reviews, more stuff from us coming on the horizon. Let the good people know what's next, and let's have some words of wisdom to end on. Oh, it is wise to live and die with every nomination <laughs> that's about to be, uh, uh, you know, put out into the public. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think that's the only way to consume. Maybe your season. wisest words, yeah. <laughs> no, we love it. Like let's let's go. Let's get all the nominations. We're gonna have uh we're gonna have a guest hopefully to talk us out of our crazy and whatever whatever happens this weekend after we get so many nominations, so many film circles. There's really like gonna be a half dozen of those. Plus we got NBR, plus we got the British Independent Film Awards. 
to react to on our next Oscar race checkpoint. Before we do like another flurry, Mike, of Oscar profile movie reviews, we got Being the Ricardos, we got West Side Story, we got Nightmare Alley. We'll probably do a Bing Bang Boom with those, just like we did a Bing Bang Boom previously with uh, The Power of the Dog, House of Gucci, King Richard. So Bing Bang Booms are are wise to do when you ha- when you got the movies to review I, that, that, I don't mean to rhyme but i'm just a li- it just, just the voice of time. my generation yeah, yeah. exactly right <laughs> uh we should slick back our hairs and wear leather coats and snap our fingers when we review west side story i should just speak in that tone of voice uh every episode uh and especially during the west side story show you're right i think uh i think that's a really hip and cool way to do it <laughs> And what's hip and cool is saying something's hip and cool, especially in 2021. Yeah, and after we, you know, we go on the roller coaster mm-hmm. from cynicism to exaltation, <laughs> exhilaration, we always come down at the end of the episode like, no, we, I just, I don't I understand myself and look what happened. What's, ha- what's happening? Well, it's almost quarter of noon, which means I got to uh, hibernate because it's going to be dark in a couple minutes. So, uh, guys, when reality sucks, you can come put the award schedule in perspective with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness we will see you all very soon see ya